This is WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Anthony Duggle joins us today live in studio from the Agriculture Extension Service on John R. Rice Boulevard. Anthony, how are you today? Good morning, Scott. I am great. Man, it's beautiful out there this oh, morning. Oh, man, it is a great day to get outside in your yard to do pretty much anything you want. So with the weather being like this, you just want to get out yeah, and do something. I'm ready for it to stay like this. <laughs> hey, this is perfect. We start this year round. It'll be perfect because right now we have a lot of people calling the office looking to do, uh, asking questions, can they do? Uh, we still have people concerned about uh, that December frost uh, freeze we had. I keep wanting to call it a frost, but that's what's a deep freeze. On whether their plants are dead or not, and, and, look, and people bring some samples to the office, and, and by looking at them, a large percent of them are not dead. We have seen some that have died back. So our recommendation on that basically is still kind of wait, wait and see right now. We know that you, even the ones that are alive, you're probably going to have to go in and, and cut those back some, take out all that uh, little dead wood or dead foliage that's on the top of those plants, because you will have some of that on the majority of the plants. But no, I wouldn't go in and just pull all of them out without really making sure that they are, uh, are dead. But... Things are greening up, so people want to just remove them. I mean, if you want to remove them, it's a good time to go ahead and remove them anyway and put something else you may want out. So we're having some of those uh, questions as well. And folks out there listening can call us or text us any lawn or garden-related questions. Our number to call or text, same number, 615-893-1450. Again, 615-893-1450. And we already have a question here. This person says they recently had to redo their septic system in their front yard, and it left them with a lot of dirt because they had to dig up, I guess, the septic tank. So uh, is now the time to actually put grass seed down, they're asking? And if so, what do they put down? Well, uh, one of the most common grasses is tall fescue, and it's not the time to go in and, and put that down now. Uh, nor is it a good time to go ahead and put the warm season grass. You probably want to wait another, um, a little bit close to the end of the month mm-hmm. as the ground to continue to warm up to even plant Bermuda or Zorgia. But uh, those will be the, the warm season grass will be the ones you are more likely to plant this time of year or even the next few weeks for sure versus the tall fescue. If you plant the tall fescue now, uh, what's going to probably most likely happen, it will come up, it would, uh, it would the seeds will germinate and come up and grow. But it won't. The roots really won't have opportunity to get established before we turn hot and dry. But the Bermuda or Zorge or the warm season grasses will have a tendency to really uh, thrive during the uh, heat. So I know that kind of was. So I'm assuming they want to plant tall fescue. So right now I wouldn't do that, but I would do Bermuda or Zorge. I, I know one of those grasses, grass seeds that we see all the time in the stores that, uh, what is it, Kentucky 51 or Kentucky, what, what is that Kentucky called? Kentucky 31. 31, okay. Yeah, that is a tall fescue variety, uh, and, it, and it, the preferred time to plant that is in the fall of the year. Uh, but if they do have uh, other tall fescue out, they want to do something with just that soil that being from the other, from the uh, uh from the septic system, you can uh, make it by sod. Uh, you could tall fescue sod. It, it would be an option. 
uh, just basically just to cover that area if they already have tall fescue. But it um, would be an option. Basically, you can do that and, and keep it watered, and that should do really well to become established because that saw base can be done any time of the year. So if, if they don't go that route, they need to, what, wait about a month or so? I'll probably nail a couple of weeks. I mean, I think the soil is where the temperature will warm enough. We usually like the first of May, but late April, first of May time frame for an even um, couple of meters coming out already uh, in Georgia. So with the ground temperatures are warming up quite well. So it can go in and um, do that probably next couple of weeks to be safe. So assuming they already have, you know, that, that tall fescue growing all around the yard then if they just waited a few weeks and, and sprinkled those seeds out that should be good enough or we're not tall fescue we don't want to do tall, tall we don't want to okay. do tall fescue seed we only want to do tall fescue sod gotcha or bermuda or zorgia seeds but if they have bermuda or zorgia in their yard basically they can take some uh cuttings or some spots from other and kind of sprig those areas and basically water and fertilize and those actually cover without making any additional uh, purchase at all i know a lot of people when they buy a house they may not know right off the bat what type of grass they already have down but if they start mixing other grass seed down, what what does that end up looking like? What happens in those cases? Well, that is a, a excellent question, Scott. Uh, we do have people that have a combination of tall fish, cool season and warm season grasses. Uh, typically, the warm season grasses will eventually take over the cool season just because of the summers. And basically, once those gra- grasses, the warm season grasses really start to strive and push forward, then it basically it creeps and takes over the tall fescue lungs. And plus, it's a little bit difficult to manage two different grasses because the fertilization schedules are different. And so, and we really want those green grasses during the summertime. So you're going to be watering and put, fertilizing them and pushing it out. So you really, at some point, those warm season grasses are going to take over the, the cool season grasses. So after you put, if you go the seed route, if you go the sod route, after you put it down, how soon after and how often do you have to actually water it? Both of them you need to keep moist. Um, and that kind of depends on your soil type. So if it's really heavy clay, probably going to dry out a little bit more. So if you have a good mixture with a lot of organic matter, with tendency to hold more moisture. So you may won't have to every other day maybe but clay may have to water it every day you want to keep both of those moist the seeds have to be moist to germinate and then the sod has to remain moist so the roots won't dry out so basically just keep it kind of have to wash based on your soil structure or soil type to know how much water you need to apply and how often you need to apply again with us this morning anthony tuggle with elaine agri-park located right here in murfreesboro down the street from the sam's club and uh, i know just a second ago on swap and shop somebody <laughs> texted an item about a, a peach cobbler festival <laughs> but you guys have stuff going on all year at the lane agro park and you also i guess rent out to organizations uh you know the the large festival grounds year round yeah, <clears throat> uh, Scott, yeah, we, uh, Lang Agri Park is, we do have an offer, like you mentioned, we have a lot of educational programs. And those educational programs are in pretty much four areas family consumer sciences, which basically deal with food and nutrition, health and safety, and financial educational program. Uh, and everybody familiar with 4 8. Basically, we have it out for all of our 4 8 programs, whether they're dealing with 
public speaking, livestock, sewing, cooking, archery, a lot of those educational programs, and then our ag program where we deal uh, a lot with, uh, in our area we do a lot with horticulture, but also we deal with uh, all the uh, species of livestock and things of that nature as well, and also we run our farmer's market for our community economic development program. So we offer all edu- programs all the time. People can uh, visit our website to find out where those educational programs are. That's rutherford.tennessee.edu. Uh, and obviously people for me with our master gardeners, they do an excellent job in doing a lot of demonstrations on site and, and help us with that as well. So we have a lot of variety of programs and they can visit our website or sign up for our newsletter where basically you get an email every month to talk about all the different programs we may offer. It's wild how much happens there. I, I mean, there is a lot of services that, uh, you know, go in and out of those doors. People bring you soil samples. They bring you, they bring you snakes. They bring you <laughs> insects. I mean, they literally stop by with all kinds of questions. I bet they do. I try to save all the snake questions for Mitchell, though. He, <laughs> I, I divert those to him. Uh, but yeah, we people bring in samples. Um, well, they have a, a, a plant that may have an insect or a disease. We try to identify those and how to solve those problems. They may bring in some, uh, it, I mean, shrubs, find out what's wrong with them, why they're a shrub or dying back, or the case may be. Uh, maybe trying to grow a garden or whatever the case like that may be. So we try to help uh, people. Our premise is to offer help people help themselves. We really try to do a lot of educational program where people can actually go out and do it. And, and since COVID, we have a lot of people growing gardens even more so than in the past. So we're seeing a lot of that um, these days. And people begin a garden, begin a farmer program, where people basically want to come get in there, start a small enterprise. Maybe it's a beef operation, maybe it is a fruit and vegetable operation, or a garden operation, so they can actually uh, get some revenue from those. So we actually do a lot of educational program with people starting a, a small business in forest agriculture. And again, folks can text us or call us 615-893-1450. We have a, another text question here. It says, recently I've noticed my house is overrun with ants. I have ants coming in through the base of the kitchen window, but I also have them in the upstairs bedroom and can't figure out how in the world they're getting in. Ants are a problem, I guess, this time of year, aren't they? <laughs> they are. They are a problem. Uh, and really, if they are ants, I mean, the best thing to do, kind of, a, I like a two-step text. We call it a two, text, a two-step approach. But especially if you don't know where they are uh, coming in, and basically you can bait the outside of your home, or ant bait. And uh, there are several different baits on the market. You just bait the outside of your home. And basically then come back, especially if you see the mound or whatever, you can come back and drench those. But in her case, sounds like she don't know what that is. I would still bait the outside, basically. And I would just basically use uh, one of those home defense sprays inside, uh, the ones that are labeled for in-home use, and basically spray the window seal and outside the windows. But you don't want to make that uh, insect insecticide or application where you put the baits because they will kind of defer them from taking the baits back and, and weakening and killing the nest. But man, on the second level of their house, how in the world do they get into oh, they second can, floor? They can crawl and go anywhere. They find a food source or whatever. They 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 can just crawl and just get anywhere. But also, I would have her to basically really look at those because termites resembles a lot of ants 
especially especially if they are flying and winging, and, they, and it is just kind of a season where they are kind of moving around. So there are some workers that don't have wings for termites. So you really want to make sure you really uh, dissect those to make sure it's not termite versus ants. They they texted back and they said also we noticed in the kitchen they they were under our ice maker that was sitting on the counter. There were probably hundreds of them. <laughs> I so under an ice maker sitting on the counter. I I wonder why ants would go somewhere like that. I. <laughs> it's wild. I, I, who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, and if there are that many of them all in place, sometimes you may we do refer people to an exterminator. But uh, like, but first I would try to home defense inside around the home with the baits, and then if that doesn't work, then I'll probably contact a exterminator. But that should really work. The baiting, long the insecticide doesn't come in in into uh, play with the baits. So you will be the baits will weaken it, and then you come back and spray. So the the baits though they work pretty well. They work. What they do with the what the ants do take is very attractive to them. It's like their food. They'll take it back to their nest and feed it to the queen and everybody. And everybody feeds on that, and basically they weaken and kill the nest that way. So usually that process, unfortunately, it's not a fast process because they have to take them back and people have to people have to feed the ants have to feed <laughs> on those, and then that's how it kind of works. And then typically you want to come back in two weeks later and apply an insecticide uh, application. Speaking of insects, I noticed a couple of months ago we had a lot of ladybugs again, and uh, man, those things are, are rough. They get inside your house through the smallest of cracks, and then you see them on your ceiling. They're hard to get rid of. I have yet to figure out how they get in the house. I basically so you've did, seen it too. Oh, then, I have when it on a when it's like a cool when a, a bright sunny day, especially if you have a uh, and you sit on my side a lot. If, if it's something where there's light or white or a light gray house or something, they really attracted to that. So like white siding, they would like. Yes, okay. they would love that. So basically, when they're in the house, our I tell people all the time, if you mash them or you try to kill them, they they will stain your wall. And they smell bad. Yeah. (laughs) So I tell people to get a shop vac or something and vacuum out. uh, And then basically, if the shop vac works better, you can put some uh, water or something in the bottom of it. And basically, you can kill them that way. If you just do it in a regular vacuum, they'll live in there for a while. But then once they do die back, they will start to stink. You want to make sure you dispose of them. Again, Anthony Tuggle with us this morning. Another question here. What is the best way to get rid of red wasp around the house? <laughs> I've noticed more wasp, I think, this year than last year, actually. Yeah, um, they, that's, a, that's a tough one, really. I, any kind of bees, wasps, uh, things around the house like that, basically, I tell people to get that arrow, that the aerosol spray the ones that spray out. Oh yeah, they spray <laughs> the, like twenty feet away. Yeah, those distant ones. Those are they work really well. And basically, go in and just knock as they build um, those little nests. Little, just kind of keep knocking them down into the turn. But that's the only real way. There's no preventive uh, product out there that you can actually do that would kind of keep them awake. If you spray, they're going to be uh, right back. They won't they have to come in contact with it. So those aerosol sprays and basically keep those little nests as they build them down. I mean, knock them down as they build them. Well, I, I know with bees, uh, carpenter bees in particular, you know, they cause so much damage to wood. And we, we've got a deck out back, and we had that problem of carpenter bees 
digging into that wood. I noticed, though, after I painted it all, uh, instead of doing the usual staining like I would do every couple of years, painting it, for some reason, it really cut down on the number of carpenter bees. That is the recommendation for a carpenter bee. Yeah, you can kind of control them about painting and and that they don't kind of like going through the bow bore and through the paint and things of that nature but those red walls they don't bore they just build a little nest you know? yeah. that's why they carpenter bees are a little bit easier to control than the uh, red ants I mean I'm red ants <laughs> the red uh, bee walls and things of that nature so yeah you did the right thing and just basically painting but once you paint it the first time that means you're going to have to repaint it you know probably the year after and the year after that as well because the, the paint fades in that sun about every two years i'm up for mines now and i'm thinking about changing mine out to that fake wood yeah, <laughs> not a bad idea <laughs> so we have to kind of adjust and keep me it may cost a little bit more than over time but and replace replace and things of that nature but it will keep away that uh artificial wood that they're it will keep away the uh, uh, carpenter bees as well, so two folds. And I will say, carpenter bees do sting, because <laughs> we, we, we've had people say before, well, I don't think carpenter bees sting, but I've gotten stung by one. Um, I, I'm sure I think all bees have a tendency. They are not typically known as stingers uh, and things of that nature. Like honeybees typically not know well. People, I, I don't think they're known as a stinger, but they will sting. They do sting. I'm yeah. Like, but we see them fly around, uh, flowering plants all the time. I saw some other day in the yard around. They were just, a few of them were just hovering around plants. And people have a tendency to swat them and do things yep. of that nature. You kind of stand there. They will kind of mo- leave you alone leave eventually. You alone. But that's kind of hard to do for people. It is. It kind of <laughs> freaks you out a little bit. But now uh, wasp and yellow jackets, man, they're the worst. They, they will sting in a heartbeat. Yellow jackets are one of the ones that, Growing up, they used to build their little net where I guess they still build them in the in the ground. Have to yeah. build them in the ground, and you mowing your oh, yard. That's the worst. It, it's happened you, to me. So yeah, I remember that uh, really well. Hey, have you gotten attacked by a swarm of them before? I have, and I'm afraid to go back and get the lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. I remember it happened to me years ago, and uh, as I was mowing, obviously I had no idea I was mowing over, you know, a nest of of yellow jackets, but man they sting and and once one of them stings they all start stinging and you're just your whole body's covered in stings and whelps you know with the, in a matter of minutes it, it, they yes and they'll chase you <laughs> they will you have to keep running until you can do. that's right <laughs> <Hope they, laughs> jumping a pond or something i <laughs> know but yeah that's that that's a they can be uh quite disturbing now uh, we had a question here about a, a garden garden question it says uh, i love potatoes i always buy them at the store try to find the freshest ones but i'm curious can i grow potatoes in my backyard the same kind that i buy at the grocery store and and i don't i don't know can can you grow potatoes fairly well here in tennessee you can uh if this they are if they did have a fresh backyard but they haven't been worked up or done anything with it, if it's cut typically all soils or ever hairy and clay i would probably grow them in a raised bed garden uh, even though you get some uh, landscape timbers and, and kind of really work that soil up uh, and basically then add some organic matter to it and just kind of have a raised bed because they do obviously grow below the ground so you really need like a good soil. Uh, but yeah, she they can grow them. And of course, some parts of Rutherford County 
is just full of clay that that clay dirt <laughs> some that, parts <laughs> a lot a lot <laughs> but but that clay you, you know it's so hard when it's dry and during the summer for most of the summer it remains pretty dry so it i, I can imagine it's tough to grow a lot of stuff in that you know vegetable gardens are like most things in any plant to go do an excellent job in high organic matter soil so really working the soil up uh basically and adding uh more organic matter to it will really help improve the soil structure but if i'm going to, like i said potatoes and things like that i really would basically probably do it in a raised bed garden especially if i, if I have a garden if i had if i got a site that i have never grown any vegetables in before because usually garden sites really have a lot of organic matter in it, especially if they grow in that spot year after year. The soil is actually uh, not as heavy as clay because they've added organic matter to it. Because a lot of times when they have plant debris, they are basically in the wintertime, fall or wintertime, they'll uh, cultivate that back in and that'll break down and help add organic matter back to your soil. So composting and things like that over the winter will help uh, build a soil structure. So the person who want to do that, I really will raise beds and then they want to expand more the next year, uh, start working up a site and start adding organic, organic matter. Like the leaves that come off the tree, they can kind of till those into it to help improve the organic matter of their soil. So for somebody listening out there, if they decide they want to build a raised bed garden this coming weekend or next weekend, after they build it, can they then go ahead and start planting things like potatoes this time of year? Oh yeah, perfect time. Usually, uh, potatoes May time frame is time you want to put those uh, those slits out. You want to really want to put those out in May time frame. We were actually in a time where we are starting a lot of our warm season vegetable time. I mean, right now people are planting tomatoes. They're planting uh, what else? Corn. So they're doing a lot of those things. So really, we're coming up into a time where we're ready to plant a lot of things. Snap beans being planted. So next month, between now and next, and say really June, but really next end of next month, they'll be able to plant any warm season vegetable they want: uh, cucumbers, eggplants, okra, whatever field peas, whatever the case may be. So we're coming up on that time. We can get a lot of uh, warm season vegetables in. Cause typically our average. Uh, Frost day, killing frost day. That's really April fifteenth, sixteenth, around this time, which is the next couple of days. So we are really out of our getting out of our window from we having those killing frosts this time of the year. I know, for example, in nearby Wilson County, the Wilson County Fair every year, one of their many agriculture related contest was the the watermelon contest to <laughs> see who could grow the biggest watermelon. Then you had those who who could grow the biggest pumpkin. But, but I'm I'm wondering could you grow oversized potatoes as well and if so how in the world do they do that how do some farmers grow massive pumpkins or watermelons <laughs> well first they don't use like a regular watermelon they don't that's not a they use those giant watermelon or giant pumpkin seeds those are special seeds okay. so that's not just like when we go buy out of the uh from a store or something and plant it and try to get it oversized. Those are certain varieties or cultivars that are designated to grow uh, giant watermelon and pumpkin. Like the ones we eat, those are not the same ones. Do they taste different? 
I've never tasted one. <laughs> I, I haven't either. I'm going to assume they don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because watermelons have that perfect sweet taste if if they're grown just right and, you know, you pick them at the right time. Uh, but I would just imagine the oversized ones don't taste as good. I don't know why. I'm going to imagine the same thing. I just don't imagine them tasting good. No. I, and then for the, uh, the potatoes that the person was asking about growing earlier – are there certain varieties of potato that are larger than others? Because sometimes, you know, you go to your local grocery store and there are some potatoes that are noticeably a lot larger than others. There are there are uh, several different cultivars of tomatoes and they grow. They are uh, different. And I really cannot think of the, the, the name of the big ones right now. What variety of those are? But yeah, you can get different varieties of uh, potatoes. Uh, just like you can really pretty much with any different crop, they'll have different, just a little bit size different, taste different. Uh, and one of the things come to mind is tomatoes. There are so many different varieties of There's tomatoes and shape and uh, flavor. So, and I still think the heirloom tomato. I'm I'm still a big fan of the heirloom tomato. They don't. They are not the pretty red, perfectly shaped tomato. They may have uh, like Cherokee purple. They may have. It's all it's, it's a, I call it a real ugly tomato, but it has the best taste. So those heirloom tomatoes are really some that I re- I am a big fan of. Somebody uh, texted this about potatoes. They said potatoes can be grown easily by getting a bag of good topsoil and simply put the bag on the ground and then slit the bag across the top and then plant the eye from a potato and it will root itself and grow in the actual bag so growing potatoes in a bag of topsoil i've never heard of that well i've i've seen people do it i heard of people do it uh, and people also get old tires hmm. and basically put the potatoes and line them and stack the tires with soil in them and basically and then if they grow and produce then they as and can kick the tires over and then make it a little easier potatoes. to get them out yeah so there are a lot of different um, methods uh, uh, people have done so that bag process is basically another form of a raised bed so I, if you live in an apartment that'd be perfect yeah about to, i would like to put it in some kind of container because that bag will degrade and you have soil if it's out in your yard somewhere it'd be fine but you have like an apartment as you mentioned that bag will eventually degrade over time you have soil do, do all you over get- your patio deck do you get that many people coming to the agri park who who are you know living in apartments saying you know I want to grow some vegetables but I'm I'm kind of confined in my space as far as what I can grow. Uh, we uh, get a few. We used to do a lot of uh, container gardening program. We do have publication on container gardening, but people can grow tomatoes, peppers, and other things in in flower pots five gallon buckets so pin on the side so we do get a, a few in in uh in, in our publication we have it talks about mini gardens and container gardens so it is a very uh um, special people who want to grow a few a few uh, uh items like tomatoes most common is tomatoes pepper and probably some okra some of the one people who do uh um would be the most common thing people grow in an apartment complex. Fresh okra is amazing, <laughs> you know, when, when cooked right. Um, I, I've never tried to grow okra. I've, I've grown things like uh, tomatoes and cucumbers. That's really my extent of growth. <laughs> I haven't done a whole lot more in the backyard. But uh, okra, is it tough to grow okra, good okra? 
okra is probably the easiest easiest thing to grow. If you can grow tomatoes and peppers, okra will be then no, I, no problem. Then I could do it. You can you can do it easy. Scott, I got faith in you. Man. you I, got I it. need to you try it, it then, yeah. But I'm going to recommend you don't plant no more than two plants. Two because, okra plants, okay. Because okra put on a, the plants put on a lot of okra. So you can get you two plants this year and you can satisfy your whole okra I'll give it for a the try. Whole season. So you'll be, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be, you can cut fry your okra. You can put it in some gumbo. You have plenty of okra. Do whatever you need. What? Yeah, the fried okra tastes the best and obviously <laughs> the most healthy. <laughs> the fr- fried okra is most healthy. <laughs> fried okra is the most healthy one in my mind. When I eat it All right. Time right now eight forty-five. Anthony Tuggle with us this morning from the Agriculture Extension Service here in Murfreesboro. If you have any questions for him, feel free to text him in or call him in six one five. 893-1450. That's 893-1450. Time right now again, 845. We will be right back. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hey, Blue Raider fans, this is the week to get to Raider Tees. Through Saturday, save 25% off all regular priced items. This week, that's right, 25% off regular priced MTSU tees, polos, sweats, hats, and more. Online shoppers get 25% off at checkout by using the code SPRING. It's the Raider Tees 25% off spring sale through Saturday. They're located at 910 Ridgely Road. Just turn off broad between Chewies and Chili's. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. If you're looking for an adoptable cat or kitten, be sure to stop by and take a peek in our cat room downstairs. For those of you that prefer scaly friends to furry ones, we have you covered at Animal City. Come in and find your next pre-loved, pre-spoiled pet here at Animal City. Here at Animal City, we would like to thank Murfreesboro for letting us be your family-owned and operated pet store for 33 years. You can find us at Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad. This is Peter Demas inviting you to enjoy a meal with our family at Demas's Restaurant. With cold and flu season here, nothing helps my family more than having the Demas's baked chicken and rice soup. It was a soup that was created by my grandmother, and we not only sell it by the cup, but we also sell it by the quart, by the half gallon, and by the gallon. So stop by anytime today and bring soup to your family that may be sick or a friend that's in sick, or just to enjoy it just because it tastes so good. Demas's Restaurant. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you're an innovative business, every blinking cursor, every blank page is an opportunity. What will you do with it? Will you make something better or create something new? Our Dell Technologies advisors provide you with tools and expertise to do incredible things. Because we believe there's an innovator in all of us. For advice on smart PCs powered by Intel vPro that's built for business, 
Call a Dell Technologies Advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.48, you're tuned to WGNS on this Thursday morning, today the 13th of April. In studio with us today, Anthony Tuggle from the Agriculture Extension Service, which is the Lane Agri-Park on John R. Rice Boulevard. So uh, what have we left off so far this morning? What What's going on that's big right now in gardening and landscaping? I mean, one of the bigger things is always turf, grass, uh, weeds. Uh, a lot of y'all we're looking at have uh, a lot of uh, broadleaf weeds, so a lot of them will be dying back. And so uh, pretty, once the weather continues to warm up, they can either use a uh, broadleaf herbicide or something to control some of those to, to not go ahead and not come back right now. I would also go in and uh, probably uh, put in a pre-merge uh, to prevent, because we know crabgrass, dalligrass, and, and all those uh, people like to refer to them as crabgrass preventable. They're really pre-merge uh, herbicide to prevent those um, summer annuals and uh, weeds from from germinating, to really keep those grasses uh, growing great. But the best way to control weeds is a good, healthy, thick lawn. Two plants can't grow in the same space, so really best to keep those grasses uh, healthy and, 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 and lush and growing. And continue to look to plant some uh, um, fruits and vegetables. Farmer's Market will be open uh, fairly soon in May. Uh, so we'll be uh, up and running at the farmer's market. Tuesday so so next month then? Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, for those who are listening who've, uh, you know, never done a garden before, you guys have a lot of really good classes on uh, how to start that garden. And, uh, well, more classes than that, but that's one of many. Yeah, we, we, we really we have a lot of educational programs that deal with beginner gardeners, beginner farmers, and all those educational programs, so we can do that. But even if people, we don't have a class going on, if they miss the class, uh, they can uh, come by the office or call the office, and we'll be glad uh, to walk them through uh, the process of, of, of growing whatever they want to grow, or starting a garden, or whatever the case may be, or being prepared to even plant trees and shrub, help identify some uh, trees and shrub for their landscape. So. I know we're almost out of time because we have an interview that comes up next, but let's try to fit in at least one phone call because we've gotten pretty much all the text. Good morning. You're on WGNS with Anthony Tuggle. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, when it came to the uh, uh, putting the potatoes into the bag of soil, yeah. you know, punching a couple of drainage holes in there actually helps. Uh, and have I missed my window for just chipping and thinning the crepe myrtles? No, sir. You can uh, go ahead and cut those back. Uh, now, it, I mean, I don't think they're coming out. I can't really, I can't, if they've thawed enough, but it, it's still not too late to go ahead and cut, uh, prune those back. Don't do the, don't murder them. We call crepe murder where you come in and just right. cut it all the way out. You want to select to go in and cut those back. So you still should be in a good window to do that. I pretty much just want to bring it down to like a little Y on a branch. And if it's growing in towards the canopy, yeah, prune the one that's growing out. Oh, uh, yeah. Cut those out of branches that's maybe hanging over something. Yeah, perfect opportunity to do that. Well, thank okay. you for calling this morning. All right. And I thank you all much. Yes, De- sir. Definitely. Have a great day. 
Again, you're tuned to WGNS's Action Line, and uh, we're going to close this segment out. And Anthony Tuggle has been our guest this morning. And once more, coming up around the corner, we have the Farmer's Market, which is opening in May. So next month is when that will start. And again, you said it's every Tuesday and Friday, right? Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 12. 7 to 12. Sounds great. Well, Anthony, thank you for joining us this morning. Enjoy it, Scott. Time right now, 8.52. We're broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Middle Tennessee Electric is reminding folks that Rutherford County's 22nd annual Earth Day celebration is going to be next Saturday, April 22nd. It'll be from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. on the Murfreesboro Square. Middle Tennessee Electric, proud to be the primary sponsor and organizer of this year's annual Earth Day. It's a free, fun event for the entire family on April 22nd on the downtown square. 8.53 is the time right now. You're tuned to WGNS Radio. And coming up next, we're going to hear more about an upcoming 50th anniversary celebration for Riverdale and Oakland High School that both opened in 1972. And the first graduating class, 1973. So that news and interview comes your way next on the Good Neighbor Station. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come and see us for all your garden needs. We have everything you need to help that garden grow. And we also have what you need for landscaping and your lawns. We have black and brown mulch in bulk. Please come see us. And as always, don't forget us for all your gifts, clothing, and pet needs. This is Tina Fox. Your co-op farm and home center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. City Tile and Floor Covering is a family business. We have a lot of wonderful options to show the customers different ways. Wow, flooring can be done. Enjoy the experience of picking out their wow selections, the flooring of their dreams. I am Andrew Young, and I would like to invite you to do business with our family at City Tile and Floor Covering. Make your house a showplace. Give your house a new face. Make your house a wow house. City Tile and Floor. City Tile. Do you suffer from peripheral neuropathy in your hands or feet? Burning pain, balance problems, and a decreased quality of life? Magnolia Medical Center can help. This is Dr. David Morris with Magnolia Medical Center, across the street from the hospital and the Ascend Federal Credit Building. Online at magnoliamedicalcenters.com. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. 50 years ago, Oakland and Riverdale High School opened their doors to new students. It was very exciting. It was very complicated because Central, of course, was one massive building with two long halls. But at Oakland, we were divided into pods. There was a science pod, there was an English pod, a language pod, 
and no classroom walls. We had these portable dividers, and that was kind of odd because you could see people in an adjoining class, but for the convenience of a mass lecture, they could move them, and everyone in the department could be in one class. Gwen Green, who started her freshman year at Central High School on East Main Street, was one of the first to graduate at Oakland High School in 1973. One of the odd things for me, I lived right across from Central, so I was able to walk to school every day. So I was the only child in my family that actually got to drive to high school because we had to go all the way out to Oakland. I know zoning was one of those hot topics that came up from the very start. How far away did you actually live from Oakland High School when you were zoned to go there? I don't know. kind of went East Main Street, best I remember. We're talking with Miles Lane at Oakland High School. To balance things out, they would take little chunks of some neighborhoods out and go across town. I know over toward Riverview and uh, Northfield over in that area, some of them ended up going to Riverdale, even though they were closer to Oakland. It all kind of panned out over the first two or three years. And some of that zoning remained the same as far as that Riverview area. They were going to Riverdale even years later into the 90s, I believe. Absolutely, yeah. Chuck Lewis started at Oakland High School in 72. Yes, sir, I did when it opened. One interesting aspect we had with the closure of Central High School was that we ended up with some faculty at each school, and then we also got a lot of new faculty in, maybe from some of the outer line high schools that came over and taught. So we had new instruction. Uh, we had new types of classrooms that were somewhat open air. We went from having six periods a day at Central to four periods. It was a rotation process, and that, that was tricky for a couple of weeks for us to get used to that. During that era, students who would have been listening to WGNS heard disc jockeys like Wolfman Jack. For complete weather information and late scores, contact the Murfreesboro News number 893-NEWS, a service of the Citizen Central Bank. She was 1973 OHS class president Miles Lane recalls his first day as a student at the newly built school. We had brand new carpet and we had modular classrooms and huge cafeteria and everybody was excited to go to the new schools and at the same time we had been with each other for three years at Central as a whole class and then were split up. Half went to Riverdale and half went to Oakland. In 73, approximately 600 students graduated from Riverdale and Oakland high schools. Most of those students previously completed their freshman through junior year at Central High School. We opened the two high schools. They were very modern, totally new. It was very exciting. A 50-year Oakland and Riverdale class reunion will take place on June 2nd and June 3rd in Murfreesboro. Chuck Lewis, who was part of that first OHS and RHS graduating class, told WGNS. To the family and friends of a 73 grad that might not know about this, please inform them of our website at OaklandRiverdaleClass1973.com, and that'll give them all the ability to register for the event. We've set up a deadline of May 15th to register. Again, the registration deadline to attend the 50th class reunion for Oakland and Riverdale High Schools is May 15th. We have a Friday night activity planned on the square, and then on June 3rd, going to be held at the Manny House at Oakland's Mansion, which is a Saturday. To register, visit OaklandRiverdaleClass1973.com. Again, that's OaklandRiverdaleClass1973.com. The 50th anniversary for Oakland and Riverdale High School. 
The News Authority, WGNS, Murfreesboro. For WGNS, I'm Scott Walker.